Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. Wow, God is good, amen. I want to get into this word today. This is a word that, um, you know, has been just working in me and it's been working not just this week, but over the past several weeks. We've been in a series called Removed. This is the third part of that, uh, of that message. And in this first part, we talked about in Galatians how that Paul marveled that the people were so soon removed from the faith, from, the, from him who saved them. And we talked about how, that, you know, how Jesus moves us into him and how then the enemy comes after us to remove us from Jesus. He doesn't care how religious you get. He doesn't care how much church you go to. He just, he just hopes that he can, he can zap you, you know, and, and in zapping you, what his hope is, is that, you know, he can slowly move you from Christ and you can get religious and, and you can go at this without him. Amen. And so then in the second one, we talked about how that the enemy's goal then is to remove you from yourself and get you out of touch with, you know, with who your true self is. And I think it's obvious that God is trying to reconnect us. Um, he's trying to reconnect us with our own identity in, in Christ. And, uh, and how the, the enemy tries to put us in a place of, of, of where we lose our soul. We gain the world but lose our soul. And, and, but Jesus gives us an, a, a, always a move to circumvent this, this thing that we, I call checkmate. That there's one more move. That was a really good, I thought that was like a really good message. Well, three of you did. I'm, I guess I'm going to have to do a lot of self-encouragement this morning. Um, but anyway, I'm going to do that. I'm going uh, to set my heart toward the things of God. Amen. And um, so this morning, though, I, as we get into this, I want to go into the third direction. You know, we've talked about being removed from God, removed from yourself. I'm going to talk about how you get removed from others and removed from the important connections that are in your life. Amen? And so, uh, so as I get into this, let me try to get everything up here on the screen that I need. We, um, so we talked about all of these different things. Now, if I'm, I added a third tr uh, definition on here and... If you notice that we started in one, distant in degree of relationship as to God, separate in space, time, or character as to yourself, and then to transfer or to go away. These are definitions of the word removed, and uh, to transfer or to go away. And that's where we're going to be at uh, this morning. And, and, and so my text is an interesting text. So if you have a Bible... Turn to Jeremiah 9, verse 2. You with me? Are you with me this morning? All right. I need, I need your help today. <laughs> I need your help today. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Jeremiah as we introduce this. This is Jeremiah 9, uh, verse 2. 
And what it is, is um, Jeremiah says this, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place, a mere shelter for wayfaring men. Now think about this. What he's looking for is a travel lodge in the wilderness. And he's, he's, he says that I might leave my people. See, now, if you read this on the surface, you're like, man, he was just wanting to, he was wanting to build a place for weary people to come. No, like a lot of us, he had a backdoor motive. What he was trying to do is get away from people. Do you see that? Because people are, can be a problem. <laughs> I heard a, I was with a bunch of pastors. I hang out with pastors a lot. We had a great week, man. We had a luncheon this week, and we had pastors from the region in, and we blessed them and fed them lunch and had a great time of fellowship and really sharing. And, and, and um, you know, it's interesting because in a conversation, a, a private conversation, you know, with pastors one time, this pastor told me, he says, you know, I love pastoring if it wasn't for people. And I said, but that's our business. People are our business. But I really know what he was saying. I, I, I've said the same thing in different phrases. You know, and I, I have felt this feeling that, you know, man, I, God, I love the ministry. Would you put me on a deserted island? You heard the story, didn't you, about the guy that got shipwrecked on a deserted island? You heard this story? I'm going to tell it anyway. I don't know why I asked. So finally, a ship sees his smoke coming off of his fire on the island, and the ship eases in. They send a boat in. They send a team in, and the guy meets him on the shore, and, he, and, he, and they say, man, this, there's nobody supposed to be living on this island. He said, well, I shipwrecked, and I've been here for several years, and, uh, and I'm so glad to see you. And they said, well, get your stuff together, and it's time for you to go back to civilization. And so he says, all right, come with me. And they get walking into the interior of this little island, and they, they come up on a little shack. And, um, and one of the guys says, what is that? He says, oh, that's where I go to church. And he goes, oh, okay. So they walk down a little further, and there was another shack. And he goes, what's that? He said, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> but I couldn't get along with those people. Okay, anyway, so, and, 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 and Jeremiah says, oh, that I had it in the wilderness where nobody is, where nobody goes. A lodging place, a shelter for wayfaring men that I might leave my people. In other words, Jeremiah was wanting out from under his assignment, his calling as a, as a prophet of God. Are you with me? And so he goes on, he says, that I might leave my people and go away from them. So let's get honest. How many of you have ever wished you could just go away? How many of you have paid money to get people around you to go away? 
You know, here's some money. Get away. Go. Get out of my life. Go. Go do something. Just get out of here. Now, how many of us have wished we could live on a deserted island? And we love people. We love our family. I love my kids. But there's been times I've, I would pay money to get away. Go away. Just please go away. You know it's true. I love my church. I love ministry. I love pastoring. There are days I go home and I go, man, I wish I lived on a deserted island. You know, God, could, you know, God, could you give me some other line of work here? You know, God, could you send me to Alaska where I can sell ice to Eskimos? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, let's go back. And so what happens is I, I set this up because I want you to back up with me. Or, or, or I want you to see something here, and I want you to go to Jeremiah, the first chapter. So I want to set the stage here for, for, for where we're going this morning. So I want you to listen to me now. And I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote this out. I don't do a lot of like writing out of stuff. but So I had an early morning prayer from my porch this week. I don't remember. Uh, it was, when, I think it was Wednesday morning. When I got done, I just began to write some things down as I was reading out of the book of Jeremiah. And so I'm going to share with you because I was really under the anointing. And like you, if I don't write these things down, I just go and go on and, and they can slip. And, and the Lord just, I'm, I'm trying to get better and, and trying to make notes. And we try to keep record of, uh, and, and thanks to Pastor Julie, she does such an awesome job of, of writing things down for us and for the church and for you and for me, words that are given and, and things because it's important we give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Can I tell you, the church, it's time to get ready. Because all the things you have heard and heard and heard and heard that you have kind of went to sleep under are now starting to unfold, unfold, unfold. And the church needs to get ready for what God is doing, lest we miss our day of visitation. And so when we come to the end of our lives... This is, I wrote this down because I was just praying about this and came in, coming out of this time of prayer. And I wrote this down. Listen to this. It says, when we come to the end of our lives, it's going to end up in one of two ways. One, we will be full of praise and thanksgiving for that all that God has done and all that he has brought us through. We will be full of praise and thanksgiving, thanking God for all that he has done and all that he has given and all that he has brought us through. Or two, we will be full of misery and complaint based on the idea that God failed us and God did not come through for us. And regardless of the things that we have faced, it is what we do with it, how we decide to face it. My attitude toward it that determines whether I get better because of it or bitter because of it. The same things can happen to two different people. And one gets better for it and the other gets bitter for it. Because of the position and the posture that we decide to take in our hearts toward it. We all know life gets hard sometimes. 
The reality is that life sometimes can throw you a curve. Listen to me this morning. Personal losses. A loss of a business. The loss of a loved one. The betrayal of a friend. A physical calamity. A bad report from the doctor. They all come with the intent to break us. Callings, ministries, and even our gifts make us vulnerable, even more vulnerable to these kind of hurts and disappointment. You know why, you know why Jeremiah was so distraught? Because God had called him to a ministry to call the people of God back to himself. And because he had such compassion and such a, and such a burden for God's will to be done, it opened him up to attacks and, and spiritual uh, uh, oppression and, and, and the people didn't like him and, the, and, and overall the nation set their hearts against him. But God had called him, put his hand on him, given him a burden and said, now go preach to my people. And by the way, they're not going to hear you. And by the way, they're not going to like you. And by the way, they're going to reject you and your message. You see, then, and he, as he, this is in the beginning. This, Jeremiah was one of the great prophets in the Old Testament. I, 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 would, I would rank Jeremiah in one of the top ten influential men in the Old Testament. Wrote four books of the Bible. Prophesied for years in one of the most difficult time periods of the history of, of, of Israel. And, and yet he faced it all, his calling, his, his gifting. He, he, he faced what God called him, but he went through some hurt, some disappointment. How many of you had some hurt and disappointment as you've tried to pursue the will of God for your life? I'd, I'd love to stand up here and tell you, you know, if you come to Jesus, all your problems are over. It's not true. If you come to Jesus, you get a whole new set of problems. But I'd rather have the problems I have with Jesus than the problems I had before Jesus without him. Amen. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And so, <laughs> don't, don't, you shouldn't smoke. So the reason people can hurt and disappoint us is because we have, we have such high hopes for people. The reason life can be so hard sometimes is because we have dreams of greatness and then many times what comes back to us is something less than what we dreamed or what we imagined. Come on, help me here this morning. You know it's true. If you do, say amen. amen. So I want, you to, I want you to think about this with me in the, in, in, as we get here because you have to be careful. Now listen to me. This is really important this morning. Listen to me, you have to be careful that you do not pin your joy and happiness on what others do. Let me say that again. You should not pin your joy and happiness based on what other people do. 
If you do that, which most of the church does that, by the way, if you do that, you will face nothing but hurt and nothing but disappointment because people will always come short of your expectations of fulfillment. If you pin your hopes and your joy and your happiness on the basis of what others do, you will be let down. Listen to me this morning. Write this down. I do not have control on what other people do, but I do have control over how I react to it. I cannot control what other people do, but I do control how I respond to it. Wow, this is going to be interesting right here. I wish that reveal was right now. I know what I've been told. (laughs) Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, y'all there. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. I don't think I have that on the screen here. Yeah, I don't. So listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now this has some real healing power in in and of itself, especially in light of where we're at today. Especially in light of some of us who are struggling with identity and calling. Because here's the thing about Jeremiah and what God is saying to him. Jeremiah Before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. And then once you were in your mother's womb, I designed and prescribed you is what Psalm 139 says. Now listen to what he says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. The word sanctified there simply means set you apart. See, before he was even born, he had these gifts and these callings. Can I just tell you that God, listen, young people, before you were even born, God called you. I want you to know you didn't just happen. I know you're taught in school that we're just the product of chance and that we're a product of evolution and that we're just here because a, a slime ball clawed out of the, of the masses and all of a sudden a human was formed. Baloney. God created the heavens of the earth and then he created the man to fill the earth and to take dominion over it and when you were in your mother's womb God designed you he prescribed you he called you he gave you your gifts you didn't acquire those gifts through time and experience God put those gifts in you and is waiting for you to develop them and bring them out he has already called you gifted you identified you called you his son Set you apart as his daughter. Said you are mine. You are mine. You are mine. Hallelujah. See, a lot of you are dealing in depression because you believed a lie. And a lot of our kids have been taught, you know, that there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. 
But I'm telling you, there's not just rhyme, there's reason, there's purpose, there's calling. God told Jeremiah, he says, I ordained you, listen to this, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God calls you and gifts you. He doesn't call everybody prophets. He calls some to worship, some to leadership, some to to government authority. He calls some to stand in places of, of, of genius. Like you know how to actually, how a computer works. Unlike me, I, I have to call Alec about every other day and say, Alec, how do you turn this thing on? <laughs> Alec, there's a screen on here, it's, and I feel like it's sticking its tongue out at me. Would you please help me? And then in his genius, he says, well, do this and, and this. And the other day, all of, all of our printers, all of the Wi-Fi in my office was down. I'm all distraught. I mean, it's like, you know, because everything I do is built around, like, I, to study, I go on, I go with Bible, you know, Bible apps, and I'm online, and, and I've got all of this stuff, and all of this stuff is down. I can't print anything. I can't get on anything, and all these lights are flashing, and the Wi-Fi unit is down, and everything is down, and the printer is down, and my computer isn't working, and, and I thought about, God, I should just... Get a hotel in the wilderness where I don't have Wi-Fi at all. Woe is me. Because, God, I can't function without Wi-Fi. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Oh, God, I I called Alec. I called him. I go, man, can you help me with this? He said, are you at the office? I said, yeah, this was late on, on Saturday night. He walks up to my office. Walks over to the Wi-Fi unit, shakes a wire in the back. Everything goes bing. Is that not true? I felt like an idiot. I go, well, I could have done that. But you see, you got to know which wire to wiggle. And there's a gifting for all of it. And you see, I, I, can put a, I can put a message together. I believe God's called and ordained me to preach the word of God. But then he's ordained others to wiggle wires. Because preachers like me can't function without somebody who knows which wire to wiggle. <laughs> it's the truth. And some of you feel like, well, I, what, what purpose do I serve? I, I'm going to tell you, 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 I, you have to... You have to find that out from God. And as you go into God, you're going to find out that way before you were even born, God called you. Can you say amen? Amen. What a powerful call on the life of Jeremiah, who was just a child when this call came, who was just a young man. The nation was in rebellion. If you... If you really want to know what he was in, in, in the book of Jeremiah, the word backslide, backsliding, or backslidden is used about 18 times. So his call is go to this backslidden nation. Oh, thanks, God. Thanks for the call. 
But hey, I will be with you. I know you. I set you apart. I will put my words in your mouth. Amen? What a powerful call. Let me read this because this is important right here. The nation was in rebellion, completely backslidden, but God's answer for a backslidden nation was this prophet named Jeremiah. With the call of God comes responsibility or what is called the burden of the Lord. In other words, God put a deep yearning and caring in him so he could go out and fulfill the calling on him. Many of us want the gifting. We want the gift, but we don't want the burden that comes along with it. Oh, that got real quiet right there. Yeah, Pastor Mike, put me on the platform. I should be up on that platform. And you don't have a clue of what the burden of the Lord is. The platform is not a place where you flaunt your gifts. It's a place where you exercise the call of God on your life. This is a fearful place because every word that I say today, I will face one day. Every word that I have, comes out of my mouth today, I will stand in judgment for. Yeah. Pastor Mike, that's amazing. Thank you. With the call of God comes responsibility. The, this becomes your purpose and your passion. You know, Jeremiah was the one that says, woe is me, God, if I don't preach. Jeremiah is the one who said, your word is like a fire, pin up in my bones. God puts this yearning, this caring in you. When you get up in the morning, it's your, it's your first thought. And when you go to bed at night, it's your last thought, how you can fulfill the calling on your life. It becomes the thing that takes hold of you, that transforms you, that shapes you. When God sets you in an office, which an office is your place of responsibility. You see, listen to me. An office can be the place of, is, is the place of assignment. The calling is separate than your assignment. You see, when you're called of God, you're called of God. Regardless of your assignment or what office that you walk into, you're always going to walk out of your calling. Many people have mistaken their office for their calling, and they want to walk into their office or into their, into their area of, 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 of assignment before they have been fully developed in their responsibility of their calling. And so when they get in that office, they have no clear word from God. <sighs> Pastor Mike, you are knocking it out of the park this morning. Yeah. I'll have to listen to this later too to find out all I said. No, seriously. You know what? I tell people all the time. I get all, you know, hey, I, I feel like I should be doing this. I feel like I should be doing this. And, they're, and they're, it's not a matter of their calling. It's not a matter of their calling or their gifting. You know, listen, the Bible says your gift will make room for you. In other words, your gift will always get you in the room. It'll get you to an office. But here's the problem. If you get to the office before you've let God develop you and grow you as a person, your gift will make room for you, 
but your character will keep you in the room. And the last thing God needs is a flash in the pan who shows up and, oh, here I am to save the day. And then you look around two days later, like, where is he? Oh, he's gone. He heard a different call, a different, this is hard. <laughs> Pastor Mike, this is so hard. Yeah. You, got, you better know who you are. It is hard. Fulfilling your, you think the devil's going to make this easy for you? You think the devil's going to lay down and let you walk right into your calling without opposition? But here's the thing, God uses that to develop you so when you get to where you're going, you can actually be fruitful and useful in it. Because there's nothing worse than being in the office and being useless. All right, moving right along. Pastor Mike, stop, stop. <laughs> I will in a minute. Anyway, it gives you a reason to get up in the morning, keeps you on track. It shapes you, transforms you. When God sets you in an office, he comes upon you. He empowers you for that responsibility. See, many of you are in the wrong office trying to do what God did not call you to do. Or people say, well, you know, if I had your job, <laughs> I'd be more than happy to give you my job. But I can't give you my job. It's my, it's my office, my responsibility. I have to walk it out. You have to figure out what your responsibility, what your burden, what your calling. Amen. And let me tell you something, church. Many of you, many of you need to grow up in your responsibility and stop your whining and complaining. Because what you're doing is circumventing God, developing you into a full-blown, mature man or woman of God because you're too busy making excuses of why you can't walk in your calling. Let me tell you something. When God calls you, he equips you. Well, Pastor Mike, I just don't feel qualified and nobody's, you sound like that crippled man, nobody helps me. Nobody, God calls you, equips you, empowers you. God gives you this thing and then he looks at you and says, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do with that thing in your life? What are you going to do with that calling? I'll tell you, the church has got to stop making excuses. Well, I would, I would serve if, 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 if you know, if, if, if it was just, if things, if things were a little different around here, I would serve. No, if you were a mature man or woman of God, you would serve and say, you know, I can help make things better around here. And you don't have any authority to speak into anything that you don't have your hand to anyway. So either put up or shut up. Well, I said that. Pastor Mike. Yeah, hang in. It's going to get better. No, seriously. It's funny how people... 
people criticize what they don't understand and what they're not willing to put their hand to. So when God, <laughs> Ooh, I stopped preaching and I went to meddling right there. Now th th think about this. Think about this. When you operate in your office under the authority that God has given you, you are a powerful person. But if you remove yourself from the office that God has called you to, you remove your empowering as well. And so look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called to walk into this office of a prophet over Israel even though he was walking into a people who were backslidden, and God says, I will be with you. I will be in your mouth. I will give you the words to speak. Just don't fear. Don't look. He says, don't even look in their faces. Because, man, if you just saw some people's faces sometimes. <sighs> Unfortunately, let's say this. Unfortunately, most of us do not act like powerful people. We do not think like powerful people. We don't move in that power on a daily basis in our lives. In fact, many of us remove ourselves from our power and take a position of weakness by the very thoughts in our head and words in our mouth. Did you, did you hear what, do you see what was going on here this morning? Church, did you hear what was going on here this morning? I wrote this on Wednesday. Let me say it again. Most of us do not act like powerful people. Behold, I give you power. But God, I don't, I'm so weak. We do not act like powerful people. We do not think like powerful people. You can't, I can't do this. We do not move in the power of that office and that calling and the responsibility that God has placed in our lives. In fact, many of us remove ourselves from power and take a position of weakness by the very thoughts in our head and the words in our mouth. Jeremiah, after his calling by God, wound up in chapter 9 saying, God, thanks for the call. I think I'd like a change of responsibility. And God, would you just please open up a Motel 6 for me in the wilderness? Because I don't really want to see anybody. In a wilderness, there's nobody around. You see what he's doing? He's withdrawing himself. Now, I want you to look at, everybody look at me right now. One of the biggest traps and ways of self-destruction, listen to me, that we have to contend with is our ability and propensity how we are so quick to withdraw from situations and from people that God has designed and orchestrated for us. And if nothing else, it's to reveal to us who he is and who we are, but yet we withdraw ourselves and say, Lord, I want to get in a place where nobody is because people are starting to tick me off. And if they say one more thing, and if they do one more thing, and if that pastor goes and does one more change, and they throw me one more curve, 
I'm going to go find me another place. In fact, I might go start my own. And you know what? I don't care if anybody comes because the fewer people they are, the fewer problems. True. But then the fewer and the less your ability to reach and to, and to do something. I'm going to tell you, I'll take the problems with God. Listen to me. I would rather be in the middle of hell with God than be on a private beach in the Caribbean without God. Oh, and I love the beach. I love the Caribbean. I know someday God's going to give me a beach ministry. But until then, I'm going I'm to keep doing what God's called me to do. I'm going to keep ruffling people's feathers. I'm going to keep challenging people and calling them out into their calling and stuff. You're not going to, I love you. I, I have a great deal of compassion for you. But I will not let my compassion take the place of God's desire to move you into your office so you can walk out your calling with power and authority. And it's time for some of you to get up, shake yourself off, and get back to what God has called you to do. It's been enough of you stuck in the wilderness just tending a place where you know you're not fruitful, you know you're not where you should be, you know you're not what you should be, and God's saying, get back to me. Shout amen, somebody. Can you imagine Jeremiah, this great man of God, going and saying, I'm going to get me a job at Motel 6 where they leave the light on for you. Only thing is, Nobody sees this light because there's nobody in this wilderness. That's what's wrong. The church is hidden. The church is hiding from each other. Pastor Mike, people, people make me mad. Well, here's the problem. If you cut yourself off from the people who make you mad, you cut yourself off from the very people who can make you glad. Boom. Boom. If you cut yourself off from the people who make you uncomfortable, you cut yourself off from the people who can bring you great comfort and strength and encouragement. Are you with me? Oh, that I had this shelter for wayfaring men. Sounds so noble. You know, Pastor Mike, I feel like God's calling me into a, a ministry, and, you know, I, I'll be gone for a while because I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get in my closet, pray, 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 pray. I don't want to be around people because I hate people anyway. People bug me. People irritate me. I, people just make me want to cuss. Hallelujah. And so, and, and Pastor Mike, I, when I get to this ministry, I'll come check in with you and let you know how it's all going. And what you're doing is going into seclusion. What you're doing is setting yourself up to pull away from the very things. Many of you in relationships have pulled away from each other. You've pulled away from your husband. You've pulled away from your wife, from the very thing that God put you in to develop you and call you to maturity, the very thing that he's called you to use to bring you to Christ Jesus and make you look like him, talk like him, act like him. And you're like, well, I don't like him, and I don't like her, and she irritates me and she ticks me off and, 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 and I asked somebody the other day I said do you think God's against divorce and they quickly said yes 
And I said, do you want to divorce your wife? He said, no. But he said, I have thought about murder. I guess that's in the Big Ten too, isn't it? Hello? Many of you have separated yourself from the very thing. You pulled away. You went away. You went away from those situations. We are experts at avoidance. I have said this. This is a thing you've heard me say. I haven't said it for a while, so I'm going to say it for the sake of those who haven't heard me say this. Because I used to say this almost every Sunday for a long time. We were in that season. We were in a season of testing uh, a few years ago. And I kept telling people, look, you never fail one of God's tests. And they're looking at me like, what? And I say, you never fail one of God's tests. Pastor Mike, are you saying God just promotes us to get, rid- get us out of class? No, no. That's how my teachers did. They said, Mike, we're going to push you on because we don't want to see you next year. <laughs> That's not how God does it either. Listen to me. You never fail one of God's tests. You just keep taking it over and over and over again until you pass it. Pastor Mike, that's good stuff. But, but when I look at y'all's faces, I don't feel like you, y'all liking this. But listen, some of you have been taking this test for 20 years. Don't you think it's time for you to graduate? Don't you think it's time to pass and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready for a new test. But you see, powerless people, they just, they refuse to see it like that and and they just keep making excuses for why they can't pass the test. Powerless people keep making excuses of, of how they can't get to where they're going because of people. Powerless people keep, keep looking at other people waiting for them to do for them what God called you to do all by yourself. You have to make the choice. You have to make the decision. I'm getting up. It was a woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can just get to his garment... I shall be whole. She didn't say, would y'all help me? She said, I got to get to Jesus. And the Bible says she pressed her way in. Are you with me? Can I read a little further? I'm almost done. Excuses will not work with God. Here's what Jeremiah told God. So we we read, right? You remember? Here's what God says. I called you, I formed you, I ordained you. And you know what Jeremiah says? Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. I can't do this, God, I'm too young. What what it's really saying here, too, is that I'm inexperienced. They say that Jeremiah was probably in his late teens or maybe 20 right here. What he was saying is, I don't have the experience for this, God. Listen, you know, I, I, 
I never thought I had the experience and still don't think I have the experience to do this. But I do have the calling to do it. I don't rest on my experience. I trust in the God who called me. And he says, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. Excuses, deflection, blame shifting usually become our response when we're operating in weakness. Most of us have taken the idea that we are weak and powerless and speak in terms of powerless words by saying, I can't, I'm not able, it's too hard for me. Life is scary when you're powerless and you live in a world where you believe most things and most people are more powerful than you. This world is rooted in fear. You know who some of the most fearful people are? It's the most controlling, most manipulative people are the most fearful. You scare me. I feel like I have to control you, which is ridiculous because you can't control anybody anyway. So come up off of yourself and realize I can't control other people, but I can control me. Listen to me. This is a word for somebody. You need to stop your manipulation and control. Because you are driving the people that God have put into your life away from you by trying to control them. So Jeremiah says, I'm just a child. I can't do this. Here's what God says. The Lord said to me, do not say, I am a youth. For you shall go up to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. <laughs> it's about to get interesting up here in Jeremiah's life because now he's not just speaking his mouth, he's speaking as God's or orifice or God's mouthpiece. And what comes out of Jeremiah is coming right from the heart of God. I want to tell you something today. I do not worry. I do not fret. I do not st stay awake at night wondering if people receive what I have to say. Because it's not my responsibility to worry about how you respond to what I say. My responsibility is to say what God tells me. And it's your responsibility to respond to God the right way. Amen. And even if you don't like what I say, then you in the spirit of Christ should rise up and say, Pastor Mike, I got an issue. We need to talk. And I'm one of the few men who will stand eyeball to eyeball with you. And let you talk. But you better be careful. Because when you get done talking, then I'm going to talk. That's what, that's what communication is. What we do is we close up, shut up, and move up where people can't talk to us anymore. And many of the problems in our life is simply because you are not willing to talk and you're not willing to listen.
See, I, now, here's, now listen to this. I'm almost done. See, I have set this day over you. Jeremiah, God's still talking to Jeremiah. See, I have set this day over you, over nations and over kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. Do you notice those four things there? We're going to pick this up again. To root out and to pull down. To destroy and to throw down. See, those, do you think that's kind of has a negative connotation? Go like this. And he, he gives four things there so he can get to the two things that God wants to do. Here's what God wants to do. To build and to plant. But before God can build and plant, he's got to root out, pull down. Amen, Pastor Mike. That's really amazing. I never thought of it like that. No wonder God's after me. He's trying to get some things out of me because he's got to get this stuff out of me so he can get what's in me working right. Because if you don't get these strongholds torn down out of your mind and out of your own thought processes, they will undercut and undermine the power of God, the word of God, the will of God for your life. Did you notice the power in these words? It's not in you. It's in I. Listen, listen, let's read this again. The Lord said, don't say I am a youth. Now listen to what he says. For you shall go to whom I send you. Everybody hold up one finger. That's I, one I. I'm going to send you. Whatever I command you, just hold up two fingers. Two fingers. Ready? Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you. Hold up three fingers. I am with you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Put up four fingers. Come on, put up four fingers. He says, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I put up. Five fingers. <laughs> How old are you? Five, five. I have set this day over you nations, over kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, throw down, to build and to plant. I have set you in this ministry. Whew. Glory to God. The reason most of us operate out of powerless is because we're not connected to the great I am. And we try to do it in ourselves. Then when that fails, we try to get somebody else to do it for us, to meet our need. And when that fails, we even get more weaker. This leads us to a certain frustration and failure that leaves us drained and empty. And then we go and do what Jeremiah did in 9 and 2. Lord, I wish I had a place in the wilderness. Remove me from all these people. These people irritate me. They're not listening to me. Isn't that a funny, isn't that a funny place to be that you want out of what God's called you to get into something else? That's a bad, don't you think that's a bad place to be? What about you? 
How many of you are out of place, out of position? Here's, here's things that are going through some of your head. I wrote these down too, and now I'm done. I am flawed and will never be able to walk in total victory because of all the mistakes I've made. I will never be able to find joy and happiness again after this tragedy. This will follow me the rest of my life, and I will never be able to get over it. Everybody is against me, and all they want to do is ruin my life. I'm hopelessly addicted to these drugs or this alcohol or this person and these relationships and all this junk, and I will never be able to get free. My spouse hates me, and we will never be able to work this out and be happy. I am a mess, and everything and everybody around me is a mess, and I can't take it anymore. They would all be better off without me. I need you to bow your heads with me. If you've had any one of those thoughts, and there's some of you who have had them all, you are in the middle of a spiritual warfare, and God has showed up today from the very beginning of this service right to the very end to let you know, I have called you, I have ordained you, I have put my words in your mouth, Say not, I am a child. I have called you to root out, pull down, to destroy all of these strongholds in the name of Jesus. I want you to build up and plant because I've called you to something higher, something greater. You're my son. You're my daughter. I want you to know who I see you and how I see you in your life. And you have to come out of your own weakness and powerlessness and let me empower you with my promise, says the Lord. Father, I pray, Whew. man, I just feel that. I feel the Holy Spirit talking to somebody. Listen, I need you to, I, 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 would you guys hold us just one second here? Man, just one second quiet. Just be quiet for a second. I don't want any mistake right here. I don't think I have ever stopped and felt this any more powerfully or particularly than I have right here, right now. But the Lord says, I have showed up here today to destroy the spirit of suicide that has tried to attach itself to you this morning. And that the spirit of death is contrary to my spirit of life. And I have come to tear down and destroy your own thoughts that the world would be better off, my family would be better off, everyone would be better off without me. I'm telling you today, you are in a battle for your soul. And God says, I have called you. I have ordained you. I have put my word in you. And I am bringing you out. And that power is broken off of your mind and your life. Now in the name of Jesus. And Satan, we take authority over you. We call you and and have caught you. And when we catch you, Lord, the enemy has to run seven ways. Oh, God as you reveal your will and your word to those hearts right now. And I break the power of death. I break spiritual suicide off people. 
that people are, are committing spiritual suicide. They have given up, Lord, in their hearts. And today, God, you have delivered us from emotional suicide. You, have committed, you have, are delivering us from physical suicide. I come against that spirit of death in the name of Jesus. And we take our power back. We take the power of choice. We take the power of, left, of life. Behold, I have set before you this day life and death. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. Right. Choose life. Right. Choose life. You have to make a constant, consistent, full-blown, intentional choice. I choose life. So I want you to hear me. Everybody look at me one second. Because this is for everyone now, right? Listen to me. Because the enemy, there's many of you who, you never think of stuff like this, and in the last bit, you even had thoughts that have come. See, the devil will throw his darts to see if there's a weakness, a vulnerability. And you have, you, you have a, you love life, but he is trying to throw that at you too. And you're like, where did that come from? I'm telling you, it came from the pits of hell. And God says, I set before you today life and death. Therefore, choose life. And I tell you, the devil's a liar. And if you choose life today, listen to me. Everyone today in my voice hears my voice. If you choose life, you hear what I'm saying. You choose life. You know, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. If you choose life today, you're choosing Jesus today, you're choosing to cast down the spirit of death and destruction, powerlessness and weakness, and you are stepping into life. If that's your choice today, everyone who says today, I choose, Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, I choose the Lord. If that's your choice, then stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now, if that's your choice. When you stood, you're making a choice for your marriage. You're making a choice for your children. You're making a choice for your city. You're making a choice for your church. You're making a choice for your brothers and sisters. We're making a choice for our young people. We're making a choice to say, devil, you're not welcome here. We're going to walk in life and see life change our city, change our church, change me, oh God. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.